It's Dr. Stu's podcast. Welcome back to Dr. Stu. That's me and Kimberly, yeah, my I'm protege here. here. This is our <laughs> podcast number 113. It's actually the 114th, but we didn't give the 113th a real number because it was a special edition podcast. This is podcast number 113. We don't really have a title for it yet. It is sponsored by My Suburban today because I want to give My Suburban credit for getting me all over Los Angeles. And since nobody pays to sponsor my show, I just thought I'd pick a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> you mean uh, your truck? Yeah, I'm tr- I'm, I'm sp- my truck is sponsoring this thing today because it got me here today. It's got 259,000 miles on it. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, it's, it's completely loaded with birth gear all the time. Mm-hmm. And it never complains. You could probably have a couple births inside that truck. Because it's big enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to take all the gear out of it, but yeah. No, anyway, I've had it for a long time. It's uh, see, it's I've had it since two thousand and one, uh, and it's uh, getting vintage like me. Made in America. Made in America <laughs> like me. Uh, it's not quite its birthday today. I, I do have to say that uh, it is. Oh. oh wait, no, please. Sorry, let me do it. Happy oh. birthday, Stu. Thank you. Happy wonderful birthday i'm sure you're gonna have a fabulous day i remembered that it was your birthday i didn't remember but then on facebook like there was like all these posts people posing with you i'm like shoot i don't have a stew picture on his birthday i need that a lot of stew pictures of you and me but on your birthday oh not on my birthday yeah you know but you celebrated my birthday with me last year i did and i can't believe a year has gone by yes but by the time this podcast airs it won't be my birthday anymore but i just want to say we are recording on july 21st which is my birthday it's my it's my 61st birthday and uh, I'm going to be spending it with my kids this evening, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, you can find us, by the way. I didn't get through the, all the business part of it. Uh, you can email me at askdrstu at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or like us on Facebook. You can find us at drstuspodcast.com. That's our website uh, where all the podcasts are there, and they're pretty much all up and working now, all 113 and a half uh, podcasts are mm-hmm. there. And uh, we would love to have you comment. Uh, we have a lot to cover today because we haven't had a podcast in a couple months. We've tried many, many times to um, get together, but uh, either a birth comes up or something else comes up or John gets a job. John's uh, kicking us to the curb for people that are paying him yeah, more, John, more of the big bucks. Yeah, when John gets a job, uh, we get uh, kicked to the side. But that's because we don't have a sponsor. My Suburban can't afford to pay John anything decent. Okay. And now we're taking a picture. We're taking the birthday picture. <laughs> Smile. Jeez. Okay, we're smiling. I'm sure our listeners are just loving How does it look, family. John? Hurry up, John. Hurry up. How many, can, how many can you take? I only took two. All right, that's enough. All right, I'm quitting. You got, neither of you are quit. smiling because you're talking. Well, that's, that's, that's okay. what we're supposed to be doing that's okay. on a podcast. Yeah. All right. We'll have to take them after. Thank you. That's our producer, John. And uh, Okay, so I wanted to start today. Uh, boy, you know what? There's some good news out there. And there's a lot of bad news out there, so I'm going to try to mix it in and get a little bit of good news, first of all. You're so cute, That's too. a cute picture. It's we might very probably cute. use that one. Yeah, let's use it. All right, so, so the good news is a couple things. First of all, I want to thank all the people that supported my GoFundMe account, which I haven't really mentioned on the podcast before. I've been a little modest about it. But I've had a GoFundMe account out to try to raise money to, re, uh, to purchase a about $11,500 breech trainer. Um, it's called Sophie and Her Mum. It's made in Australia. It's made of this rubbery stuff, and it's fairly expensive. Uh, you can go to the um, our GoFundMe page, or you can find a link to it on uh, birthinginstincts.com or on my Facebook page. The campaign is just about over. I'm not asking for any more solicitations, but we've almost made our goal. That's amazing. I am just really, really grateful to that people. I have already received the trainer, Woo-hoo. so I'm going to put it out there on the podcast that anybody who's interested in gathering a small group together for two or three hours... Um, who's in the Southern California area for, for sure, 
I would be more than happy to come and do some breech training sessions. There would be no charge for them, <gasps> other than amazing. other than bagels, lox, and cream cheese, or <laughs> something similar, delicious, something as delicious as that. Um, out of town things, we'd have to work something out to try to do that. But I, I would really like to be able to get out there now and do hands-on demonstrations along with lecture and videos uh, to reteach breech. So we're gonna get that going. I'm, I'm, I'm assured by Renee, my uh, tech person. Uh, who does all my websites and stuff that we'll get some stuff up for that and so you can be looking forward to that and again comments are always appreciated and I think it would be I think it's amazing that you're willing to offer it for free but my suggestion is that you um, find some organizations that can support you and maybe um, you know fund fund the training well I'm working on Chevrolet right now <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you said no? <laughs> no, okay, just well. kidding. That's a joke. All right, that was a joke. Kimberly is like really literal today, so <laughs> we're gonna have to work on that. No, I, I, yes, sponsors. <laughs> sponsors would all be welcome. Right now, right now, you know who sponsors the Doctor Seuss podcast? Doctor Stu. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm my only sponsor. But, but listen, I'm serious about that. I mean, there may be some sponsors who may be willing to, you know, because that's a big commitment and an amazing opportunity to learn something that's not being taught anymore. So, yes. Yeah. But I also feel like since everybody donated to help me purchase this thing, I want to return the goodwill uh, to, the, to the local community. Traveling is a different story, but uh, locally, that's that's not. Think big, Stu. Think big. Okay, just feel me, hear me out on this. All right. Good. I'm listening. Okay, good. <laughs> get, get some sponsors. I think it'd be a great way to even spread the word further. So that's pretty good. That's a pretty good thing. Another thing we've had is some births lately. We had a really nice water birth this week, and I've been getting texts from a lot of my midwife friends. There's been a lot of a lot of babies popping out. Call, right. uh, my friend Amy Tinney's already had two babies on my birthday today. So <gasps> what? Two future uh, cancer on the cusp babies were born yeah. today. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Um, I did have to. I, I I have been taking care of myself this summer. I've been getting some medical care for aches and pains nothing Good. serious Good. i just have to say you, you you know i have this box here in front of you of of some sort of steroid cream right and uh i just wanted to make a point that that you know i have insurance and i'm not afraid to tell you i have uh blue cross uh, excuse me blue shield california blue shield insurance i pay 811 dollars a month mm -hmm. we've talked about i have over a five thousand dollar deductible right i've had mris of my back and my neck and my and my shoulder and CAT scans and x-rays and seen a lot of doctors. I've had my knee injected a couple times, three times already this year. And the insurance has paid for essentially nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So recently I went to see my dermatologist because mm -hmm. I had uh, something on my forehead that I wanted to look at. And he, he froze it off and he gave me some cream to put on there. And um, he, it was called uh, Desonide uh, Lotion, 5% Lotion. Okay. So I went to my pharmacist and I submitted to my pharmacist and my pharmacist looks at me and she looks in the computer and she looks at me and she goes, this isn't covered. <laughs> so I said, what? It's a prescription written by my doctor for a thing, a, a skin condition and you're saying it's not covered. No, it's not covered. Okay. But, so how much is it? She says it's $320. Oh, my Lord. So I said, well, that doesn't seem quite right. And she says, well, we can get... We I said, is there a generic for it? She says, well, I can call your dermatologist and I can ask him if there's an alternative. All right. So she calls me back the next day and said, I spoke to your dermatologist. So just think about all this, though. He mm. writes me a prescription. I have to go to a pharmacist. The pharmacist needs to get approval from the insurance company. The insurance company denies the approval. Then she has to then tell, call me and tell me it's been right. denied. Then she has to call my my dermatologist who has to take time out of his day to get on the phone to tell her that there is an alternative to it and she can it's okay to prescribe that then she has to call the insurance company to get coverage for that right. then she has to call me back to tell me that it's ready so i can come drive over to the pharmacy and pick it up okay right. so 
turns out that there is something called Desonide Cream, which is available for $15 copay. Desonide Lotion, $300. You're kidding Desonide me. Desonide Cream, 5%. So my, my point being is, again, the way my brain thinks is that were there a bunch of guys sitting in a room, insurance executives, actuaries, bean counters, who said, let's pay for the cream, but let's not pay for the lotion. Unbelievable. And why do they care? And what about the folks who don't have the wherewithal to say, can you check and see if there's this or there's that? Or who might be... Or, or don't have a nice pharmacist. I had a, exactly. My pharmacist was really nice. Right. I want to commend her. She's Ralph's Pharmacy downtown. I'm going to commend, commend her. Yeah. So uh, if you live anywhere near downtown, you go to Ralph's Pharmacy and this tell is, them Stu, Dr. Stu sent you. This is, this but it, is but it's, just a, it's an insanity. And again, because we got a lot of articles today and I don't know if we're going to get to them all. But I want to say that if you know, if, if you were on um, like Medi-Cal or something like that, because my son just went through a bad accident and, and had to be treated through Medi-Cal because he didn't have insurance and things like that. And they probably would have prescribed or given him the, the stuff that would be covered by Medi-Cal, which would have probably been the cream, not the lotion, and it wouldn't have been an issue because he has gotten his meds for pretty much next to nothing. Yes, we've had to come out of pocket on some things, but it's like when you have private insurance, it's almost like you're getting, you know, you have the opportunity to get hammered more in a different sort of way. Yeah, but you do. You pay more, you get hammered more, you get higher deductibles, but you also get easier access. Um, that's I, one of the things. There was an article I, I want to talk a little bit about in the Wall Street Journal. It's kind of a good transition right. to get us to this article. And it was in uh, the Wall Street Journal from last Wednesday. That's two days ago. And the, it was by a writer named Alisa Finley. And it's called. It's in the opinion section. And it's called Medicaid's Potemkin Health Coverage. Now, for those of us who doesn't know. Yeah, what does Potemkin mean? Yeah, I, I, didn't have I had to, to look, look it up. up. Basically, okay. it, it, was a it was a Russian ship that there was a mutiny on. And basically, it means false or deceptive. Okay. So... Medicaid's deceptive health coverage is the title. Mm -hmm. And I've highlighted a few aspects here. And because I lost my reading, I forgot my reading glasses. I'm going to be working on it here. So uh, to summarize, and she says, since 2012, Medicaid has added 6 million beneficiaries, primarily able-bodied adults of working age. Now, of course, Medicaid, we're talking only California. Mm -hmm. Covering them last year brought California nearly $20 billion in additional federal funds. Okay. All right. If Medi-Cal were a state, its population of 14 million would make it the fifth largest state in the United States. So we have 14 million people out of 40 million people, or one out of every three people in the state of California is on Medi-Cal. Right? Medi-Cal was a program set up in, Medicaid was a program set up in 1966 during the Great Society years, years of Lyndon Johnson to basically act as a safety net to ensure people who couldn't, who were in below the poverty level or who you know, couldn't take care of themselves. Right. And the initial roles nationwide were 8 million people. Okay. Now there's over 72 million people on Medica Medicaid in the United States. All right. 72 million people. That basically have what? 320 million people. In the, so one out of every five people, one out of every four people the United States right. is insured okay. by the state All right. for a program that was set up as a safety net. Okay. Something's wrong with that. Okay. Yeah. Where's the, where's the affordable health care? Because I'm one of those people that qualifies for Medi-Cal because I'm a student and because I'm technically low income. Yes. And without those, without those, without that there, then I would be one of the uninsured. Right. So it's set up for somebody like you. The problem right. is, is that people who apply for the Obamacare exchanges now are often put on Medicaid right. or Medi-Cal, even though they don't want it. That's where right. they're put on it because, right. the, the, because the, that's, that's the state, right. for every person the state puts on there, 
the federal government matches the money. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a cash cow for them. The problem, of course, is what happens when you get too many people on Medi-Cal? How does Medi-Cal control its costs? What right. does Medi-Cal do to control its costs? It, it lowers reimbursement. It lowers what they pay for physicians. So you end up with sort of a rationing system right. where there are less physicians doing it. Right. And so what she goes on to say is that, that there's a, you know, um, a quote she has here that says, quote, you've got Medi-Cal, but can you find medical care? And then she says, by extending Medi-Cal to younger, healthier people, many of whom could be better served by the kind of bare bones private in, in, uh, insurance that Obamacare outlawed. Mm -hmm. California has made it harder for those who must um, need low-cost care to get it. All right? Now, that doesn't mean you get, it's harder to get Medicaid or Medi-Cal. It's harder to get the care. Absolutely, because there's less people willing to, right. to, to provide the service under. So the theory about the whole reimbursement from the federal government, which is, again, remember the federal government has no money. The federal government takes taxpayer money mm -hmm. and then divvies, out, divvies, divvies it out to winners and losers. So he, her analogy is, is, imagine if Amazon gave you money back whenever you bought things on its site and you got more money back the more things you spent money on. You'd buy things you don't need and things that might be purchased for el lo less elsewhere. That's what has happened, in effect, with Medi-Cal, which covers everything from acupuncture to chiropractic to uh, vision, all right? Now, some of us look at and say, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Um, however, it become, these things become not insurance anymore then, all right? Insurance is like auto insurance. You get an oil change, you pay for it. Your insurance doesn't cover it. When you have insurance that covers everything and when you have insurance that you can get even when you have a disease, like pre-existing conditions, it's no longer, they ought to at least change the word. You can't call it insurance anymore, but that's still what it's called, and people have this thing ingrained in their mind that they're entitled to this insurance, and I'm entitled to have someone care for me. But then how do you, then the question comes, how do you get someone to care about you when they're getting paid diddly squat to do it? Right. Okay. All right. So then she goes on, but good luck getting a doctor's appointment. Um, she goes on and says, the problem is that Medi-Cal reimburse, reimburses providers at between a third to a half of the rate that private insurers pay, all right? right? Now, first of all, I want to tell people that are listening that private insurers don't pay very, very well either. Right. If, you, if anybody has private insurance and they can see, if they've ever looked at an EOB, they can see sort of what the doctor charged. The doctor charged, made you charge $200 or something. The insurance company allows 112 for it. And then, of course, most of that goes against your deductible. So you're there... The doctor's only getting 55 cents on the dollar, and now Medi-Cal is paying a third of that, so the doctor's getting about 18, 19 cents on the dollar. Right. Well, right. We, right. I mean, we see that even just like with midwifery. I mean, a lot, there's been a big push for um, out-of-hospital midwives to be able to accept Medi-Cal, and unfortunately, the reimbursement for the whole pregnancy and birth is so abysmal, abysmally low that it forces many uh, out-of-hospital midwives to not want to accept Medi-Cal or go through the the, the, all the hoops they have to jump through to be able to accept it because it doesn't they yeah, can't you, pay their bills with you it can't. Or you can't or you have to do volume and then your care your and then level it's totally different suffers, exactly right? right so here's here's an example in Fresno County where half of the residents are on Medi-Cal half 
the residents living in Fresno County are Medi-Cal. Now, you're telling me that half the residents there are incapable of caring for themselves or below the poverty level? I don't think so. It may, I mean, it may be a depressed area, but not half. Okay. It is a depressed area. Right. <laughs> have right. you ever been to Fresno? Yeah, I have, actually. Yeah, I mean, you know... So the argument hey, they is got what? Jack in the Box and they got McDonald's and I, you know that makes it a depressed area. Oh, That's what it? you call a food desert. So that means Los Angeles is depressed. As area. a matter of fact, many times <laughs> those places are in Beverly Hills. in poor in poor neighborhoods where there is no grocery stores and the only place that you can get food is at. So it's don't you know McDonald's and Jack in the Box? Yeah, I, I get mean, really? that. Okay, but my point is that the UC Davis Medical Center, which which covers that area. Uh, terminated its managed care contract with Medi-Cal five years, excuse me, two years ago because of low payments, okay? Um, another another area in the Santa, Santa so Clara... So you're saying people can't go to UC Davis for care... With their Medi-Cal, right. With, with Medi-Cal, right, right. Which is the best hospital in the area. Right, right. Also in Santa Clara, um, uh, they also terminated their Medi-Cal ca- contract because of the citing low reimbursements, time-consuming paperwork, and payment delays. In effect, Medi-Cal rations care by underpaying providers. The shortage of, uh, of doctors accepting Medi-Cal, together with the surge in enrollment, brings patients to the emergency room instead of the uh, Exactly, of because the uh, honestly, that's where you're going to go if you need care. Is you're right, so go, ER visits, into straight, into despite guarantees room. by those people promising us what Obamacare would do is lower emergency room visits because everybody would have insurance, enrollment in ER visits for Medi-Cal patients rose 75% in the past five years in California. So, you know, there's a lot going on with the health care bill, and I know the health care bill and the debate and everything that's going on with the Republicans right now um, also, there's another uh, piece that we want to talk about today and maybe on the next podcast or this one, which is the maternal mortality rate in California and how it's been lowered. But one of the things that um, they cite as one of the barriers for lowering mor- maternal mortality rate in California um, is what if the Republicans decide to do uh, repeal and replace or, you know, whatever they're trying to do is not going to make the problem better. It's going to make it worse. You sure? I know you look. Tell me how it's going to make it better. If, has we, it have, got, has it if got, we have six million, if we have six got, months, if you do repair and replace, you got six months of people who used to get Medi-Cal or Medicaid who have nothing. So how is that going to, to make life better? Okay, so this gets us to the, the bigger issue, which is, which is that entitlements, mm-hmm. okay, are more addictive than heroin. Entitlements are more addictive than alcohol. Entitlements are more addictive than gambling, right? You can get off gambling, you can get off alcohol, and you can get off. Uh, well, that's that's how you want to put it. That is addictive. No, no, it's a, you want to put it that it's, it's fair, addictive. It's a fair analogy. You, you try to get people off an entitlement once. In they other get words, it. what you're saying is, once you give someone something, then to try to take that away is very challenging. That's what you're saying. So it's not about it because being addictive. Be, it's just that that's no, how we operate okay, as a society. Fine. And it's because politicians. I'm have, not addicted to my medical coverage. It's because, okay? well, trust me. See, you're taking things personally, and this is not meant personally. This is a. Gr- but I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people that's that's has to rely on this coverage. And so now, if someone takes that away, also our our engineer is one of those people. Um, and so, if, if what did you do before before 2009? Uh, I have to think back. You know, it's. There is times you, when li- you lived, you had your t- children, you, you got care. There was times when when my spouse may have had insurance from his company, right. but I don't have that, and but, so. But you know, but why we don't have that anymore is because a lot of the rules of the uh, of affordable care. No, what I don't have more. is the spouse. 
Well, I understand <laughs> that, but it made you it more difficult to buy to, to buy regular insurance became almost impossible. I remember when and, I first moved to California expensive. 12 years ago and I bought insurance and it was costing me as uh, my family. It was probably 4 to 600 dollars a month. You know, at the time it was a family of um, six five kids, two two adults, so seven. And it was 500 which maybe right now doesn't seem very expensive at all but it still is expensive i don't make a lot of money and i never ha- did so i would rely you know if if, if my partner got a, a good job and was able to have insurance through his job then that helped out a lot but in these days this day and age and the type of work that i do i'm more free freelance so to speak so you know i can't afford to buy health insurance under, under, understood so i just want to know like if you can talk about this but i'm saying what's your solution well is? you're first of all you're looking at you're saying you brought up republicans and they wanted to reform things and that's going to really hurt people okay i'm saying that the system that's in place right now is really hurting people but it's better than nothing let's be real I'm because not, my son I'm not sho- my son who had a car accident and had to rely on this type of insurance even though yes it was difficult when he couldn't you know certain doctors didn't want to see him certain institutions didn't want to continue caring for him see this is why look let me, but let me I just want to say one it. thing one thing but when he needed help i could walk into the emergency room and get some support which we had to do many times just for general things well, that 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 has never been. You've always been able to do that, right? But, but let me let, let me let me respond to you because you're, we're getting caught in the weeds here when we're looking at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. The bigger picture is a couple a couple things. The reason that things can't get better is because politicians have no spine. Exactly. They can't stand up like a parent and say to the kid, "No, you can't no, have I, that cupcake." I think politicians need to work together. And no, they, on both sides of the aisle, as they say. But they're not. They're not. They're but not. But it needs to happen. It needs to happen because you might say that they have no spine well, and they can't say no. It needs to happen. That's just that's like well, fa- that's just fairy like, tales need to happen. Well, I'm trying to offer something. I'm trying to give you some okay. concrete information Go for as it. to why this won't won't happen, and the end result is going to be disastrous because the pit is not bottomless. I, right. Okay. The the you there is not an endless supply of money. You can only borrow for so long. Where is the money coming from to keep giving people more and more entitlements? How is that working out in Greece? How is that working out in, in other European countries? How does that working out in Venezuela? So for your that solution is? My solution is that there's going to be some hard decisions that have to be made and that people are going to have to take responsibility for these decisions. And some people are going to have to be- sacrifice. Now, their lives? their lives some people will be sacrificing yes, okay their lives that's right you know they will people are dying now exactly all right but people are dying uh, we uh, look at i got the thing about it is you have insurance you can afford it and you can also afford to pay out of pocket maybe you don't want to but you can actually go and get the care that you need and so what if the time ever comes well i'm God thinking forbid, i'm thinking you're not of changing into a, a medishare program Tell, I don't let's want, talk about that well i will in a second but i'm but but you're getting ahead of me Okay, I uh, there are hard decisions that have to be made. All right, I I have Social Security due. I'm today's my birthday, sixty one years old. In another year, I could start collecting Social Security. I'm not going to because I don't need it. Right. Right. But when I'm sixty five or sixty six, if I have enough money put away, you know, I deserve the Social Security money because I paid into it that long. But as in a reality, we don't have enough money to go around. And why should I make young people who are having a really hard time as it is now? 
pay into Social Security to pay for my retirement, just as I paid into Social Security for 40 years to pay for people that are retired now's retirement. It's a Ponzi scheme. This whole the whole thing with the with the insurance is also a Ponzi scheme. It has to money has to keep coming in from people who are healthy to pay for people who are not healthy. And you're gonna and what's happening is you you. The reason it's collapsing is because insurance companies can't afford it anymore. They're going out of the market. There's no choices left. Young people are pissed, are pissed off because they have to pay a penalty or they have to buy a product that they don't want. This is not sustainable. What is going to be happening is that they've got to make a change in the way it's done. And whether it's free market or whether there is a safety net put in and whether those people with pre-existing conditions can be put into a, a federal program okay. like Medi-Cal and then everybody else can, can start over with lower premiums because you're healthy, because that's what insurance is. We've we've right. destroyed the meaning of insurance. Right. And the and the Republicans, as you speak of, are so afraid to say, you know, the pre-existing condition thing is not insurance, because now with that pre-existing conditions, it's become an entitlement. You can't take it away. You could take away the heroin more than you could take away the idea of pre-existing conditions. These people are all more worried about re-election. <laughs> okay, then they are, and I don't know. I don't understand what happens. The p- good people go into politics, and then they get morphed into to bad people. I'm not sure how that happens. But it seems like okay. But when I hear you speaking, I think you've come up with some some interesting solutions. And there's probably there's lots of ways that we can. Yes, in some ways we do need to kind of start all over. I hear that, but there's there's a lot of ways to do that. And this, I just go back to looking at the stuff that I've been reading today about maternal mort- mortality, and when. Texas did not Texas did not buy into Ob- Obamacare, right? And they have a lot of issues, problems with their uh, maternal mortality rate. They have the highest maternal mortality rate in the developing world. I don't I don't I, and I don't that, know if that's true. So that I'm is true. I just I, I just read that. That yeah. is true. And part of it is because there there is no Obamacare, there is no health care for uh women who are getting pregnant. There's no Clinics have been taken away. People can't get services, and now the maternal mortality rate is the highest in Texas. But let me ask you, the highest but, in the country. Where California does have some safeguards. How, and ours how is were the mortality lower. rates in Texas in two thousand and eight? Their maternal mortality rates, and it's documented, have been rising. This is all over the place. I understand We've been talking that, about this, for, but for but if you're saying that it's because they don't have Obamacare, I'm saying it's I'm telling you that Obamacare often destroyed the ability to have clinics. They made it more difficult to have clinics. All I'm saying is, compared to California, who has the clinics, who had we do have. But the- I read the same article. It wasn't about the clinics. It was about forming these these um, these crash carts and these ideas and, and, and hemorrhage carts and these planning ahead for things and having people with access to that sort of thing in hospitals and then and then also making people lower you know lowering their C-section rate by publicizing what their C-sections Absolutely. are. That has nothing to do with the health insurance fee market. But in the article, the, the folks that have designed these uh, toolkits to help prevent uh, preventable deaths and maternal, morta- uh, maternal mortali- mortality um, cite the fact that if we take away health care for any period of time, they're concerned that it's going to affect the maternal mortality rate in, in not a good way. So No one's ever talking about taking, by the way, again, this is a matter well, of Well, if you do repeal and replace. You're not talking about taking away health care. You're, you're ta- talking about weight changing health insurance. You're not talking about taking away health care. Health insurance and health care are two different things, and people have to keep getting that through their head. The Affordable Health Care Act has, is, a, is, is so, such a misnomer. 
Because first of all, it's not affordable, and I think you and I would both agree with that. Right. And secondly, it's not about health care. It's about health insurance. All, well, is this, you know, back to these political discussions, but they do all intertwine because we're talking about birth, we're talking about death, we're talking about um, these issues which are impacted by health care. And so I'm not trying, I you know, I don't want to get political on here, but I will say that, you know, I think that we have something and I think we need to make it better. I don't think the answer is taking something away until you figure out how to fix it. I'm not comfortable with that. Are you, are so, you, are, but are you always, <coughs> I'm not comfortable, comfortable with that. With, are you comfortable with government solutions to problems? I'm not, I don't know, Stu. Because that's the that's biggest a, issue. We got into this problem because of government. We got into the housing crisis because of government. We get into all kinds of issues because of government. And then when the, their programs don't work, we, we scream to the government to try to fix it. Ultimately, so what? So we're going to take away health care for six months if you repeal. No, replace, you don't have to. You could be, you could repeal it in two years, and that gives you two years to set up something else that comes in place. And you don't have to repeal it now. You pass a law to repeal it in 2019. Okay, and then you're going to work on something in the meantime. Yes, what you're saying. but according, that, that according would, by the way, that deadline would force. Who are you listening to? Because according to what I'm listening to, if you do a repeal and replace, they, the estimates are up to 32 million people will be. Devoid okay. of healthcare. So you're listening to the Congressional Budget Office, all right? The Congressional Budget Office has been wrong on every estimate they've ever made about healthcare. They so estimated it could that, be right. They it estimated could be that higher or it could people, be lower. Well, they've been they've been wrong in the wrong way every time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, so, saying, again, so are you saying that everyone who, will be covered? See, here's the problem. You have faith. You have faith in government institutions. I have far less faith. I in actually government don't. Institutions. I'm not saying well, that the CBO I do. is a government institution, and the CBO has got a got a political agenda and motivation. They're supposed to be apolitical, but they're not. They said 20 million people were going to roll in Obamacare, and for initially only 10 million did. So they were off by 100%. All right. Why should we, why, when someone's off that far, should we believe their next prediction for 2026? Didn't Al Gore say the seas would rise by 2010, 20 feet? All right. So he's off. So now he's making new predictions and we're supposed to trust those. I mean, if people are wrong and people are off and you can't predict what's going to happen necessarily tomorrow, how do we know what's going to happen eight years from now or a hundred years from now? We don't. I, I, we can, I agree But with that. the reality is we, right now, we had a situation where financially, it's unsustainable. Everyone knows that if we don't, if something doesn't happen, Obamacare will go under, and there will be nobody, to, no insurance companies to choose from, and the costs will be so ridiculous, and people will just start paying the penalty, and that, and and the whole thing will collapse. That's what's been said, and who says that? I've heard that argument too. So. I think both. I think I've heard Chuck Schumer say that, and I've heard uh, Mitch McConnell say that. I've heard both sides say that mm-hmm. it, that Obamacare needs to be fixed. And I've also heard Democrats want to blame Republicans for not fixing it. Republicans want to blame Democrats for putting it in there in the in the first place. I, you know what would be so awesome if everyone would act like a grown up and just well, talk about is, it together. That isn't going to happen. I know you though. said it's not going to happen, but right. that to me is what makes the most sense. I mean, let's get together and talk about it. This is just it's it's. Well, see, here's what I here's we what have I, these two polarized. So let's repeal it in 2019 and that means that everybody who's running for the 2018 election has to basically say here's how we're going to fix it because we only have another year to fix it uh before it's gone and so that really puts a gun to their head excuse the metaphor um to get them to actually do it right now there's no reason for anyone to do anything they sit there and the and the far-right republicans are different from the moderate republicans and the democrats not a single democrat thinks that that uh, that the republican plan is worthwhile and, and not a single Republican thought the Democratic plan was worthwhile. I mean, we're so polarized right now. And the bottom line is the American people are suffering and they can't get access. And, the, you know, this, you know, that I will agree to. 
That I will, I will agree with you. So what we've got isn't working, and nobody's trying to fix it because right. they're all afraid. They're all paralyzed by taking away those sorts of options. I want to. I want to. I want to just talk about one more. Since we're on the Medicaid issue, mm-hmm. I want to talk about something that's going on up in Oregon, and it was written by a, a friend of our podcast, Jennifer Margulis, mm-hmm. who is a, a, a writer who has written about vaccines and some other things. She's got a book called The Business of Baby, but this has nothing to do with that. She says. Um, that low-income women in Oregon who want to have their babies at a birth center or at home are covered by the Oregon Health Plan if they meet certain criteria. Um, Oregon Health Plan is Oregon's Medicaid program, okay, just so we know. But midwives from around the state say it's so difficult to get state insurance approval that women's choices at childbirth are in jeopardy. That happens. That's right. what I just was talking about. And then she goes about. on and gives a couple of stories, and she says uh, there's one woman who, who's 38 weeks with... Um, um, I can't remember specifically she wants to have an out-of-hospital birth and there's something, I don't know if it's breach or whatever. I think Mm -hmm. she just wants an out-of-hospital birth, but she's 38 weeks and she still hasn't heard yet. So we Mm -hmm. requested an expedited hearing uh, so we could get it taken care of before my baby comes into labor, Mm -hmm. all right? Um, But the uh, government agency denied her expedited hearing and said that it it wasn't a medical emergency and that we did finally find out what my hearing was. It's supposed to be 12 days after my due date. And it happens all it happens okay. right here in California. Right. Same thing. Right. So this is uh, this is with people with private insurance too, because you know. Right. right. But I'm saying, do we want more government bureaucracy trying to fix government bureaucracy? And that's the thing. I hear you, Stu. I hear you. And I, I mean, okay. So here's, you have a solution. Here's here's another one. Debbie Coward, another midwife up there, states that uh, she's a licensed midwife with 25 years of experience in out of hospital births. Mm-hmm. She says that the Oregon Health Authority makes it unnecessarily difficult for pregnant women to have midwife assisted out of hospital births. Mm-hmm. Coward says that what's happening to, to this one client is emblematic of the problems Oregon midwives have to deal with when they try to use the Oregon Health Plan. It's very stressful for us as providers, but extremely stressful for pregnant women who are under enough stress as it is just navigating their pregnancy, wanting to have this plan, and always feeling like at any moment they can just deny their request. Right. Okay. As a matter of fact, even when they're approved, the approval, the approval can be revoked at any time, <laughs> even after the baby has been born. Mm-mm-mm. Um. So it goes on, and, and 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 what I'm saying is so it's like a bait and switch in a sense. It's like what I'm saying is is that everything about the government is more complicated. <laughs> I everything. Agree. I mean, I have to tell you, um, I'm going to end on a good note because there's something that really good that the government did this week that I want to talk about. But I just want to say that you know even trying to um, uh, you know renew your driver's license now they made it right. a little easier. Right, I heard about. All that. right. They made these things are making it a little easier, but there's so many things about the government that you, you know, you if you get a if you get a thing from the IRS saying something about your taxes and stuff like that, you know, it, it's a quagmire to try to get it sorted out. Yeah, that's true. That yeah, is I still true. remember one time when my, I think I might have said this on the podcast before. My partner Dave Klein, rest his soul, um, he was he was moonlighting at a hospital and he made four thousand dollars at at the hospital. Right over that year of moonlighting and they sent him a what is it called a w2 or uh, something yeah, like the, that uh, w9 or whatever, whatever. the w4 or whatever right yeah something or 1099 see, see? 1099 it's so complicated we don't even know what, we don't even know what it's called 1099 yeah. okay yeah. They sent him down. instead of putting four thousand dollars they put four million dollars <laughs> okay so he's laughing he's showing it to me he's laughing his wife happens to be an accountant and his wife is shaking his head dave you have no idea the she, trouble we're in now she's like this is not good yeah because now you have to prove it. to them right that you didn't yeah. make the $4 million and didn't pay taxes on $4 million. Oh, and yeah. it was really, really complicated. Well, that's not the good story that you were going to end on, no, that's for sure. No, I just want to say back to the, to summarize what we talked about, because we are running out of time, 
is that I think I think we we look at this from a different points of view, and I understand that. But ultimately, the, the system as it is is not sustainable. I just don't believe the government can fix it. Not only do I think they, they would screw it up if they fix it, I don't think they have the will to fix it. I, I think I agree with that. I think they're cowards. It's, it's not cowardly to, to support the status quo or to pound the table. Look, they, pa- they put a repeal bill on Barack Obama's desk 50 times, all right, knowing full well he wasn't going to sign it. Now they got somebody who will sign it, and, they can't, and, they, and they're too cowardly. So it was, it was, it was all a facade. They, they, the vote to repeal it, they didn't, half of those Republican senators didn't want to repeal it, but they ran. Well, because their constituents are coming out like, look, what am I going to do? What you going to do for me when I don't have insurance and I croak? Okay, what are you going to do? And, and everyone is coming out. And so, so have a little backbone and say, listen, we're going to fix it for you, but we've got to get rid of this mess now. Before you're dead or after you're dead? Maybe after. And that's the problem, Stu. <laughs> you have insurance, okay? Nobody's taking your insurance away. You got the $800 a month, even though your deductible is high. That's a choice you made to have a high deductible. No, it's not a choice okay. I made. Isn't, that's I crazy. Did, take that back. Okay. Take it back. Take you it back. You did not make that choice. That's no. crazy. No. Your insurance company made that for I you? would love to have a plan where I... I pay for everything, and I have a catastrophic plan that picks it up after, say, $10,000 or $15,000. I would love that plan. Obamacare makes that illegal. Why can't, why can't the free market offer that plan? And for those of us who just want catastrophic insurance, which is really what insurance should be for anyway, right. it shouldn't pay for my annual checkup. It shouldn't pay for my EKG. It, shouldn't pay, it should pay for when I have a heart attack or when I have cancer. Then who should pay for it if you need an EKG? Each and every one of us should pay for it. In what way? You mean individually? Yes, and and by the way, the cost and then would, the, co- if the, the cost, cost would come way down, which would be amazing. There's a there's a group. So talk talk about the medship. There's a group in well, I'll talk about medship. There's a group in Oklahoma mm-hmm. that charges. I think it's Oklahoma charges fifty dollars per adult, ten dollars per child per month. Love all it. your care is covered. All your prescriptions are covered. They're all under because they ne- they negotiate as a large group. The guy's name is Doctor Umber. You can look. Awesome. People can look him up. I don't know his first name, but look up Dr. Umber, Oklahoma, and you'll find it out. And that's and and they've been able to do this, and they've replicated this six or seven times in different different groups. So is that so? But that was something that he initiated. This doctor. Yes. Okay. So that's a great example. And MediShare, yes, for instance, or Liberty Share or these other programs are where you pay a small fee to join. Great. Your pre-existing conditions are not covered for the first year. Okay. But after the first year, you're in a group. They have they have a very small margin of profit, like one percent or something like that, as opposed to insurance company, which makes twenty or thirty or forty cents of every dollar gets taken out before any of it goes for healthcare. This is like a one percent thing. And when you have bills, you pay the bills. Mm-hmm. You get a receipt from the person you pay the bills to. You submit it to Medishare, and then people all over the country start sending you checks. So if you have a fifteen thousand dollar bill, you might get a hundred people that send you one hundred and fifty dollars. Mm, that's amazing. That's right. useful information. So are you signing up for that or is it just in the works? What's going on? I'm, I'm, well, my, my student, Kat, just signed mm-hmm. up for it mm-hmm. and I'm going to be pimping her about it to find <laughs> out a little bit more about it. You know, Lurie, Lurie has been going to, our uh, wonderful Lurie, the clinical hypnotherapist that we work with so much is also, and she's an older woman and yeah. she also has been going to MedShare uh, meetings and groups and learning about that as well. And I, uh, she wants yeah, to I mean, I think there's some it. of them you have to be Christian. So that would... Lord have mercy. Yeah. But that would, that would get rid of me. But, but you could... But you, Are you kidding me? No, I, well, yeah, I think, because they're not insurance companies. Remember, this is not insurance. These are not insurance companies. So they're coming from different entities and they can put right. whatever. It's like, it's like having, you know, like a, a, a group. It's like having a... Black folks need to do that. 
Black folks med share. How about that? Yeah, fine. I love it. Yeah, can we have a white folks med share then? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <right>. White Jewish, <laughs> white go. slash Jewish or non-Christian. White Jewish folks. male, white Jewish male med share. Non-Christian yeah. white folks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Those. How about a white? How about, how about white? Old privilege? white dudes. How about the white privileged? Uh, old white dudes with white privilege med share. Yeah. They pay higher fees. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think we got a solution. Right. <laughs> and, we, and, we, and we meet at golf courses. Yeah. <laughs> Trump National. Yeah. We meet at Trump. We meet at Trump golf. <laughs> We stay in Trump hotels. Me at Trump golf courses. Right, right. Oh right. my God! All right, so, so Can I'm, we all just get along? All right, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to end this on something that the government did right. Okay, that would I, be nice. I have a woman who's 37 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. She's uh, doing well in three weeks. Um, she's from Brazil, and uh, this week she was became an American citizen. Oh, I'm going to get all choked up. She went to. I know her. Oh, you know. I Bronca? won't say. Yeah, oh, you said her name. You can say Bronca. Yeah. Hey, Bronca. Yeah. Well, she posted all over Facebook. So, yeah. Anyway, so she, she went. Told me she was she, in my childhood. She post. went to uh, the um, LA Convention Center on Tuesday at one o'clock. There were four thousand and forty uh, immigrants who who were sworn in as citizens. The cer- ceremony was very nice. It was very patriotic. Did you go? I went. That's so awesome. I went. I sat with her husband in the guest section. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, lovely. Uh, Jazz. Her husband, Jazz. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, and it, it it was moving. I mean, they the judge gave a little speech, and then they showed a video uh, first with a little brief little talk from John Kelly, Homeland Security Secretary, mm-hmm. and then there was very emotional video about it with America, the beautiful being played, and they showed scenes of people in America, and it was really nice. And then we stood up, we said the Pledge of Allegiance, and somebody sing the Star Spangled Banner. The, the all now the, you're an American. All the immigrants were, yeah, they, they <laughs> congratulated them. They all waved their flags and Aww. we all applauded. And it was really, really sweet. It was very efficiently done. These people went through the process properly. It takes more than six months or so. Oh, they have to take uh, uh, American government exam. Like, like yeah. Bronco was quizzing me one day. I happen, and you, and you I, didn't know I, the I happen, answers? No, I happened to know the yeah, answers. because you like history. Yeah, like how many people are in the Congress. Right. How many people are in the Congress? Uh, 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 how many people? How many people? Well, there's 535. 200. There's 435 and, I don't know. House members and 100 senators. Great. Right. Like, who's the vice president? I would not be able to become an American citizen. <laughs> I know who the vice president is. Right. A lot of people don't. It's Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Pence, that other Mike guy Pence. with the white hair. Yeah, yeah that Mike guy. Pence. Mike there Pence. I know, See? I know. But I'm telling you that they these people all know more about American history than people that were born here mm-hmm. and generation gen- And the judge was actually saying, you know, I'm humbled and I'm I'm not worthy of swearing in this oath because I'm a citizen by the good fortune of being born here. Mm-hmm. You are the citizens because you worked at it and mm. you earned it. And I thought it was very emotional and I want to congratulate uh, Bronca on, yeah, on her being an American citizen and they get their voter registration card and all that stuff. It's very, <laughs> it's very cool. So she's a dual citizen. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works because the oath actually, they have to sort of, for, sort of oh, forswear their other citizenship. Interesting. So I'm not exactly sure how that works. I'll mm-hmm. ask her next time mm-hmm. I see her. Great. And she hasn't had her baby yet. We know that. No, she hasn't. And she didn't have her baby during the ceremony, so that's cool. Right, but if she did, I would have been there. It would have been great. (laughs) Anyway, so listen, this has been much. uh, We we didn't cover as much ground as I wanted to because we got into a real intense discussion, which I think is good. Stimulates our listeners to think about these sorts of things. And And write write to us because you know we're all over the place. I get I get little messages privately about some of these these, uh, heated discussions we have too, Stu and. Um, so I, I, I would like us to continue to have more discussions, um, people contacting you on, 
on either side or you know, if you have ideas. Things, one of the things I was thinking about before before we, we sign off is is wouldn't it be great, you know, you know, we have we have MSNBC and CNN and we have Fox News on the other side. Wouldn't it be nice if like the president or somebody else sponsored a once a month national debate, an hour long or two hour long primetime show where you got people from the left and people from the right sitting on the same stage and talking to each other like you and I just did. Because what you hear is a soundbite from Chuck Schumer and a soundbite from Donald Trump and a soundbite from Mitch McConnell and a soundbite from Nancy Pelosi, but never the twain shall meet. You never get them in the same room where they can actually have a conversation together. Well, if we can do it as as citizens, if the the politicians can't do it, then as citizens, we we should be doing it. We need to Yeah, and we can probably do it at a Trump golf course. Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't going. So anyway, this is been Dr. Stu's podcast number 113. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope we're not too upset after listening to this one. <laughs> it is my birthday, so forgive me. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>